We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get started now. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Deb Miller, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Dr. Deb Miller is a mental health therapist who has worked with children, adults, and couples for over 30 years in private practice. She has conducted multiple presentations on topics related to mental health challenges, fostering authentic relationships, and challenging sexism in adolescent girls. Recognizing the gap in resources specifically tailored to those who have betrayed trust, she published More Than Sorry, Five Steps to Deepen Your Apology After You Have Committed Infidelity. Related to this Prime Spark audience, she wants to communicate to seniors how, through the exploration of past transgressions, one can gain wisdom that will lead to stronger and more intimate personal connections. Dr. Miller identifies as a member of the caboose generation, having recently followed her grown children and grandchildren from Missouri to Pennsylvania. She is in the process of establishing new relationships in the 55 plus community she and her husband have moved into. And don't get her started on sharing the power of connecting through pickleball. Hi, Deb. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. So just in getting started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if so, what is that experience? And if not, why is it that you think that you don't? Well, obviously, like most of your guests and can relate to and your your audience. I do experience ageism in my body. There's definitely some more aches and pains and some limitations. Um, but I have a naivete or a, <laughs> maybe it's a superficiality. I really don't feel old. I don't think of myself as old. Um, but I also um, have a really powerful um, defense mechanism of denial, I think, because um, there is obviously days go by and age happens, but I also feel grateful in the sense that I 
um, have a lot of energy and a lot of great network and a lot of interests. And, and I have the space now uh, of time to explore more and to figure out more. Um, so that's kind of how I experienced ageism. I have been lucky enough not to have to fight any economic issues in terms of losing jobs because of my age or any of that. Um, and I certainly hurt for those women and men who experience that. Very scary. I don't know, Deb. I, I don't, this, I'm probably, maybe I have the same thing, but I don't think it's, it's a denial mechanism. I think that we experience ourselves as alive and vibrant and uh, happy. And I mean, if if we have luxury of having all those, you know, enough of things that that we don't have to worry about our our basic survival needs, right? Then I think we get to this point and we're fine. And if we can just ignore what everything around us seems to be saying about what it means to be older, then I think, I think we're, I think we're better. I think we're, we're enjoying a lot of things in a lot of ways we didn't before. Yeah, the body gets older, mm-hmm. um, but you know that's just that's the way it is. Yeah, I think there's that line between acceptance that this there are going to be different aches and pains and limitations perhaps, but there's also embracing the journey, embracing what's next and embracing um, and appreciating what's around me and, and you uh, that's working, that's, that's positive, that's um, exciting. I sometimes say um, and firmly believe that really getting older is a, a huge gift that, um, you know, honestly, not a lot of women or people in general in our world have the opportunity to experience. And we do. And so it is a gift to have um, the opportunity to get older and to stay here for a while. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm fascinated with your book, Deb. Um, and I can imagine you get a lot of pushback from it because tell me why you think it is that in one's senior years, past tra- transgressions should be revisited, especially if they've been long buried or unexposed. Yeah. Why why do you say that? Well, I think it's part of um the maturity and the authenticity of growth and to recognize that we all have some dark shadows in our past, um, whether it be a betrayal of a spouse or a loved one through an affair, or whether it be through gossip or through um, uh, saying hurtful things to someone. I mean, we can make a huge list of things that you can look back on and go, gee, I wish I hadn't done or said that. And so it's very easy. We all have a very strong ability to push things under the rug and yet it sits with us and so to accept the challenge of just looking at it and I don't mean go and tell the world I don't mean go confess your sins to everyone that hears but I'm it is important to recognize that you need to continue to look at what you did in the past in order to recognize how you've grown 
And why, what is it that you want to, how is it that you want to be different? You know, so many people when I was a therapist would come to my office and, um, you know, typically the couple would come in and the one person would say he or she had an affair and I want to know why, why, why. And of course, the person that had the transgression or the infidelity would look down and just say, I don't know. I don't know why. And honestly, that's some truth to that because they hadn't looked at it. It's so easy to look in the mirror and not see yourself. And so it's the ability to embrace our dichotomy, embrace our uh, yin yang, to embrace our good, bad, you know, and to embrace all of ourselves is important as we mature in the sense of, again, intimacy. I think as we get older, our relationships become so important. And if we don't, aren't able to connect with people um, at a deeper level, then we're going to be lonely and get isolated. So in order to connect with other people at a deeper level, we have to make sure we have connected with ourselves. And so what I found was many people had never told their story. Now I had one client came and she only came one time and she just said, I just need to confess this. I mean, I had an, an abortion, you know, 40 years ago or something like that. She just needed to say it out loud. And that's all she needed just to hear it, to see that I wasn't going to judge her that I was going to applaud her for being uh, honest uh, and open and to validate, you know, that those memories were painful. So there's, that's the beauty of looking at it at our, our at this age as we grow, is to recognize that we all have shadows. We all have parts of ourselves that we wish no one else would know about. But, and again, I'm not asking you to go out and confess. I'm just asking you to take the courage to look at yourself and to ask yourself questions. And that answer to why, why you cheated, why you hurt someone else, that's going to evolve. There's no right, wrong answer. There's no black, white answer to that. And so the, the courage to every so often go, hmm, 30 years ago, how would I look back at that part of me then? Why did I choose to do that? And how have I grown since then? What do I know now that's different? So there's a lot about, I, I call it navel gazing in my book, the ability to look inward and uh, have the courage to explore who you are and how you are. You know, it's taking those quizzes out of the Cosmo magazine back in the day that, <laughs> that we were all curious to take. And, uh, you know, but, but take it at a more serious level, you know. And ideally, though, you do have a confidant. Is there someone out there who knows your story? Because there's something about sharing it openly with someone. It could be a best friend. It could be a sibling. It could be a, uh, a parent. You know, someone that loves you no matter what and accepts you. But there's something about processing that, again, to build intimacy uh, and a deeper connection with others is to say it out loud. So it, um, it is this, is this right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, in order to get the benefit of looking at it and really getting it out, you don't necessarily have to quote, confess it to the person that you transgressed against. It just right. needs to somehow come out with, 
with somebody? Can one do it with oneself? Yes. I mean, that was part of my book was that, you know, through journaling, reflection, but I do encourage you to write the letter of apology. You don't have to mail it, but it just reflects that you're going to think about it because the words, I'm sorry, are nice, but they're not enough. They're not enough because they don't reflect any empathy for who you hurt and how you understand and how you hurt them. And it doesn't reflect how you uh, have grown and what you have intended to do now to be different. So, yes, if I'm working with a marriage, with a couple in marriage, they obviously need some um, apology directly to them. Uh, That would be the message. But let's say there was an affair 30 years ago and no one ever learned about it. Well, you don't want to go back and tell it would, you you have to think about it. Would this hurt my significant other more to know now? And so, but yet you've got to recognize carrying that secret is exhausting. And yes, we can shove it away and we can be a little, uh, we don't have to look at it a lot, but it's just with us. And so there's something very magical and spiritual about saying it out loud. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but you know, there's something to the confessional. I mean, about admitting it, you know, that ability to be honest. Um, And so, yeah, if, if, um, if you have to make amends, you know, it's that intentionality and it may be internal for you. I'm sure that you have worked with couples where there's been uh, infidelity on, on one or both sides. Right. And um, it, it may not have been known at the time. Right. Um, but whoever had the transgression is wanting to confess it. Does yeah. that happen very often? You know, there's not great data about all that. You know, like every everyone in this room, raise your hand if you have an affair. No one's going to raise their hand. You know, so yeah. I I don't have any way to access that. I know that there's something helpful if you work with a person who did cheat and you work with them as a therapist and let them tell their story and learn from it and grow from it. It is a release. And so they have to really process telling because there's also the level of, okay, maybe my spouse knows, but do I tell my children? Do I tell other family members? And again, most people come to therapy after affairs because they don't want their world to know. They don't want to change how others perceive them. And that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we, we, again, we are all growing people and we all have a story and we all have, you know, made mistakes. And so we don't want to get put in a box like, you know, the, the scarlet letter of, you know, wearing the A red A on your back all day. You know, you don't want that. That's not helpful. That's not growth producing. Yeah. Right. I, um, I would think that I could imagine that confessing it to the person that you transgressed against uh, could be very healing, but it could take a while. Um, you know, that's the judgment, you know, because it, they may be like, oh, that's what was going on back then. Now I get it. Now I know I wasn't crazy. Now I know why I 
felt so um, critical of myself, assuming that because you really weren't present for me. You know, there may be some really helpful thing of that, but you have to critique where you're at today. And that's the balance with living in the present versus living in the past. You know, yes, we the past affects who we are today, but we have to keep asking today, would this be helpful to right. know, to, to share, to process? And who and who would who would be helpful for? Yes. 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 Because I've had um I'm not a therapist, but I've had people or friends say, you know, that they've had very difficult things happen to them in their families as they were growing up. And they don't see any reason to bring it up now when their parents are very, very elderly. Yeah, yeah. And that is really tricky, I think. So tough. Because then they're often in the role of taking care of the parent and they're still angry at them they're right. still been hurt because there's been no amends made to them so i guess the the challenge is to put yourself in that you know flip that perception and make sure you're not the person where your children or loved ones are like do i have to take care of her now that she's needing me because i'm still mad at her she didn't you know she was a horrible mother or she was a horrible friend or you know so you want to make sure that you've taken care of that again how to have honest intimate relationships with others, which means you have to share vulnerability. You have to, you know, take risks and talk about how you're feeling and what you regret. And, you know, those conversations that, you know, we don't have on a daily basis. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of us never have actually. Or never have. Which is very sad, I think, but some of us never have. Yeah, but it's interesting. I think if you if you have the courage to initiate that kind of conversation with a friend, it gives them permission to reciprocate. And you know, I I've had so many unplanned conversations with friends, you know, where I thought we were just chit chat. How are your grandkids? How's work? How's la la la? And then it goes shoop. And I don't know exactly how it got there, but it's wonderful. And those are the, you know, I found that over COVID doing so many Zoom conversations with my friends or FaceTime, you know, they were deeper because we were all kind of in this existential crisis as we were all locked away and not sure how the world was going to turn out, you know, and those really were so special. Yeah. Yes, there were. I mean, um, I've had conversations with people, well, even during it, when, when we talked about what's the plus of this, I mean, there's so much negative but what's right. the plus? Because I think there, there's there been huge pluses. There have been huge negatives, but there's been big pluses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talking about risk, Deb, you, you and your husband took a big risk in moving from Missouri, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, into a 55-plus community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how how is that being for you? Yeah. You know, we moved kind of near the end of the intense COVID period. And so it was such exciting. It was so exciting to be with our children again and not always around the fire pit outside because they were afraid to let us in the home, you know? So that was, that was positive. Um, And it was just kind of a whirlwind initially. um, And it was felt fine. It felt fine. We were kind of gotten programmed how to isolate with COVID. So it was just fine. It was kind of exciting to create a new home and, you know, decorate and get established. Um, so, so finding other people in this community is because most people 
Well, some people have moved from 10 miles away, but there, there are many of us in the caboose generation who have also come following kids. And so it's nice to connect with them and to learn their stories and to find out more. And it's a process. Um, but I do cling to my friends, my old friends, the ones that are back in St. Louis and, and other places. You know, it's lovely to have them as my backup. So we try to travel as much as we can see them. But pickleball has been hysterically fun and an easy way to, like, connect with people and laugh at yourselves. And, you know. Yeah, I want you to talk about pickleball. So <laughs> tell us about pickleball. Well, like in all communities, there's like one person out there who's the organizer and you're like, where should I stand? Okay. And so she got us all out to learn pickleball and, and they're teaching us the rules. And, and there were a lot of us that were curious, you know, it was a good way to be outside because it was still covid you know, so we could do it. And out of that evolved this addicted group of people. I don't think I'm quite there yet. I only play once or twice a week and they're like, you know, four or five times a day, a week, I'm not day. And um, so it becomes very jovial it's for people all ages and all fitness levels and all um, geographic, you know, again, story. And do I know all their stories? Not really, but it's a great beginning. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when you're in school, like elementary school, all the way up through high school, it was just easier to connect with an activity, a shared activity. Right. You know, and so that's been really nice. Very nice. So the best part of pickleball for you is the um, is the social aspect and especially the ease of getting to know new people where you moved into. I, I, I suspect you didn't know anybody. Did you know anybody? No, else? you're no adult. <laughs> we only meet our children. We're like, we promise we're not going to hang on you for our social life completely. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I was ready a while back. It took my husband a little longer. COVID kind of inspired him to go, you're right. Why are we here? You know, but, you know, we're still struggling with finding community in this beyond pickleball, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, church, for example, you know, you, I, we were very connected with our church in St. Louis. And so we're really struggling and church shopping, as I'm sure your audience can really, is not fun. <laughs> You know, it's just trying to dumb luck trip into the right community that fits fits you know your beliefs and your comfort level, et cetera. So, so I feel like we're still there. I mean, it's been a little less than two years, and you know, thank goodness for GPS. I really still don't quite know my way around, but um, we're trying to embrace it as an and as an adventure. And coming up from the Midwest, we knew nothing of the East Coast, and you know, exploring uh, geographically other beautiful places over here. That's been fun. Fine. Five years ago now, I moved into a, um, it's a retirement community. Actually, it's 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 more than fifty five plus, and um, it it was a choice, you know. And I thought about it long and hard before I did it. Um, and it was a good choice, and I'm very happy, and I'm glad I'm here. And da 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 da. But initially, it was sort of, oh, what am I doing here? You know what? What am I'm, I'm not this old, yeah. you know, and there was also a feeling of, um, this is an overstatement, but a feeling of sort of going back to a dormitory or something. I mean, it was, you know, there's just, I mean, on the one hand with COVID, that was wonderful because there were people. Um, right. 
Yeah. And on the other hand, there are always people, you know. And so so it's. Well, it's not for everyone, right? But yeah. And now you're good. Yeah. 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 And it was very Mm -hmm. good, actually, during the lockdown, because anytime you go outside, there would be people outside and you could talk to them outside. And if I had still been in my house, I loved my neighbors, but you would it would have been much, much harder to, to mm-hmm. make contact. It would just have been very difficult. So, Yeah, we had transitioned in St. Louis from a big house to a high rise before we moved here. So we were used to communal living, as we call it. And we were good candidates. We loved the energy and the seeing people in the mailroom or the elevator or wherever. Yeah, we were we kind of embraced it. It was matched to who we are. Yeah. 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 So Deb, tell me about things that you have done in your life that you are particularly proud of. What are two or three things that are well, really highlights for you? Yeah. Of things I mean, you've done. As we've as I already talked about, relationships are so important to me. So certainly I'm so very proud of the fact that we've raised two children who are on, in turn raising great kids themselves. And I'm proud of the marriage that my husband have had for 46 plus years. And, but I'm also proud of my career. I mean, I start off as a teacher and a school counselor and a drug-free school specialist and working with adolescent girls and, and feeling their self-concept and empowerment. And then my private practice. And it, it's just been, I'm just proud that I, that I feel like I've touched people's lives and that I'm still curious that I have this fascination for knowing people and learning of their stories and yeah so one of the, one of the things one, I'm sorry no I was just gonna say not one any one specific thing just in general right yeah in, in reading your biography your your bio um one of the things you talked about was sexism uh, for adolescent girls mm-hmm. and I am so concerned about that um you know, I um, I suspect I'm a bit older than you are, and I came up through the women's movement of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And sometimes I, I mean, we no question that we've made some strides. Certainly not enough. Um, I, the other night I saw, she asked. Yeah. Or no, no, she said she didn't ask. She said, she said. Yes. and I was so sad and angry and everything else at the at the end of it i thought gee many christmas i mean how long how long are we going to be in this and so what is your experience with adolescent girls and what they're facing you know it's the challenge of developmentally especially middle school years you know the insecurity the lack of self-confidence the the desire to fit in and be part of the group is is what we have to realize. It just is. It just is. But we also have to raise the awareness of it. It's like, you know, kids can get that their brains aren't fully born formed till they're what twenty five or something, and that that their decision making at times may be very adult like, and other times not. And so for them to kind of get it and to hear it, but also to feel the energy of of acceptance. So these conferences would be you know, 500 girls and they would be, we talk a lot about self-concept and, and relationships and trying to be non-judgmental because they are so judgmental of themselves and therefore of others. And so then there becomes these 
competitions that aren't helpful for anyone. But I think it's interesting with the media and with uh, understanding the sexism is ongoing and that they have to find their voice. And that's the challenge. Uh, I think for women, I'll generalize, I think for us to find our voices that we're not, if we find our voices, sometimes we're called the bitch, you know, that we're too aggressive, but then there's, you know, we don't, we've got to figure out how to be more assertive and and say out loud what we think and feel uh, and how to say no. Um, and that's, it has to be talked about. You have to teach it almost. I mean, they know it, but they... You know, you have to like give them energy to really follow through with it and take action on that. Um, Yeah, there's a lots of good information out there. And I think that and a lot of empowerment for girls that's going on and it needs to go on forever because it's not like we're done. Oh, we're done. We fixed it. It's just like it's going to be an an issue uh, indefinitely. But I think the challenge of this is also not to to villainize men. You know, it's that funny line between being guarded and yet recognizing that not all men are evil, awful predators. Um, You know, how to um, handle uh, an awkward situation. Um, There's some really great uh, adolescent sex educators out there who talk really openly with girls and boys about relationships. You know, acknowledging the hormones are thriving. <laughs> they have to figure out what to do about all that, you know? Yeah. I was, I was just curious. I was just ready to ask you, how do you teach that? I mean, it's, um, because it's, you know, you can hear things, but it's sort of like reading how to play golf. <laughs> yeah. Let's get there. You know? Know. Yeah, and, know. Um, yeah. It's good to read how to play golf because yeah. you have good information, but you got to you got to get out and play right. golf. Yeah, and try how to play golf. Yeah. So um, it yeah. seems to me that that. I mean, when you said how to say no, um, you can talk about that forever. But how how do you? I mean, do, do, when you have seen things, I mean, do you do role playing or how do you teach that? Um, there's so many different ways. I mean, there's lots of just you know small group work like. Talk about your relationship with guys. Have any of you ever faced any scary situations? How did you handle it? Um, and yeah, there's role play. Let's let's act that out. I remember, yeah, we used to bring into this conference one woman. She was a sex educator that worked with teens. I mean, she would she had a great curriculum. You know, she just and I think a lot of school counselors do do that. I think they can get to them more in middle school than they can in high school because in high school they got to get their credits and they're they're busy. So the middle school years are really key and then girls are getting older quicker developing early you almost have to start we did we started working with girls in fifth grade um because their hormones were already kicked in their you know puberty is happening so you know it's it's there but i think that's another thing for our generation is recognize we probably all still have that same story we also have this memory of that awkward situation whether it be back in high school or college or or beyond, you know, and did you ever talk about it with anyone, you know, and, and that's a, a good um, acknowledgement that it's powerful to say things out loud and to get support from others. 
It, all, it comes back, a lot of it comes back to that, doesn't it, to talk it about does. it? It does. Yeah. 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 The more oh. we bury our secrets, the, the heavier they get and the bigger they get. Yes. So in addition to pickleball, in addition to seeing your children and grandchildren, yes. what are things you're doing now that are most meaningful for you? Well, it's funny how the day goes by pretty quickly. I luckily have a few clients virtually. I love that. Uh, so I still do a little bit of work. Um, I don't think I have another book in me, but yet maybe there's a magazine article writing. I I don't know want to say stupidly, but I signed up to take Spanish and I am painfully getting through it. And yet I'm learning, um, but that's been work. And I just read a lot. I just uh, love to read and take classes online and things like that. But I am looking for ways to give back. And that's my uh, quest is to figure out some volunteerism uh, that would be meaningful. And yet selfishly, you know, it doesn't, wouldn't interfere with my travel. So that's the good news, bad news of that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Any, Any big dreams you have that you haven't realized yet? Yeah, you would ask that and uh, to kind of warn me you were going to ask me. And I, I'm really, I'm really, you know, of course, I'd love to go back to Europe some. And, but, you know, if I don't get there, it's okay too. Um, No, I'm just, my dream is that, you know, my friends and family all do well, that they find joy, that they uh, find connection. I don't know that there's anything more joyful than having raised good kids who are raising good kids because we haven't made the world the easiest place to do that no and yet not to judge people whose kids are struggling i mean there's so many factors in how one's life turns out and you know with the best intentions and maybe even the best practices some kids turn out great some people don't some people yep struggle and so yeah that's 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 hard that's hard to watch and that's uh, the women's theory I know you probably have studied that a little bit but you know I unfortunately or fortunately we kind of identify ourselves uh through our relationships and so if our children are doing well then we're fine if they're struggling we hurt you know and so it's finding those the boundaries that are healthy and um not so uh, self-destructive. Well, selfishly, I would hope that you would continue with uh, at least some of your work with adolescent girls, because um, it, you're just so non-judgmental and so straightforward. And um, I, I think those two things are so helpful for middle school girls. Yeah, I think yeah. so. That would be. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that would be my big dream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, then, you know, again, I'm trying to find my network here and figure out who could, who has a door they'd open for me to walk through if, right. if with that kind of work. So I mean, I'll put that closer to the forefront of my intentions. Put that, yeah, put that in the idea hopper. Mm-hmm. So, Deb, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? I think the best way is through my website, 
which is www.drdebmiller.com, D-R-D-E-B-M-I-L-L-E-R.com. So it's, yeah, it's without any punctuation, Dr. 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 Miller at gmail.com. Say that 10 times fast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, you got it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, good. I, I, there's a web that describes my book and how to order it and a little bit about who I am and, and contact information. So I'd love to hear from anybody. Well, I would think that, that uh, the book could be really helpful to a lot of us um, and not just uh, with a transgression of, of infidelity, but any kind of thing that we did in the past that we're deeply ashamed of and haven't talked about. And we've all got that stuff. We do. We do. Yeah, we're we've open. all got that stuff. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Now that's our time. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. You can find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Deb Miller. And remember, you can find her at drdebmiller at gmail.com. No, doc. Oh, oh, that too. Say again? Well, my website's dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, you're saying my email? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant your website. Yeah, dot com. Yeah, dot com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's fine. Good. Thank you for being with us. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.